Technology has allowed us to be able to track how and where a song is downloaded, streamed, or played on a daily basis. If that's true, why can't artists also get paid daily? Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we talk to some companies who are trying to make the money side of music more liquid. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from SoundExchange, which provides royalty solutions and advocacy to ensure all music creators are paid what they are owed. You're listening to the future of what? I'm talking to Bruno Gez of Revelator. Bruno, welcome to the future of what? Thank you, Portia. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. So can you give us a little rundown on what Revelator does? Absolutely. So we went to market about five years ago now and focusing a lot around data analytics for the recorded music business, serving distributors and labels and artist management companies. And over the last five years, we focused a lot more around the recording side of the business and around optimizing and I would say maximizing the speed of royalty payments and distribution of payments. So over the last couple of years, I've been fascinated with blockchain technology and We've been working on an artist wallet for about a year now. We announced it this year as a way to actually bring royalty distributions to rights holder in a much faster frequency cycles. So that's actually something I'm really excited to talk to you about today. So an artist wallet brings people's digital royalties to them in a faster time frame. So faster than what, let's say? How about daily? Okay, so normally it's monthly. We would get digital data from our distributor monthly. That's how we would do it. But you guys will collect this data daily. And then what happens to the data? So labels tend to do semi-annual accounting, sometimes a 90-day grace period, which can kind of push the payment cycles for artists signed to record labels to sometimes 270 days. In the distributor world, that tends to be monthly with a grace period. It can be 45 to 60 days. It's not really happening every 30 days. So what we do is we actually use the consumption data and establish a floor or base royalty or average revenue per stream that we calculate per territory and per service or DSP. And based on that, we'll look at the amount of streams happening on a daily cycle and the amount of downloads happening on a daily cycle and be able to forward project that as an accrued receivable and essentially factor the receivable by giving an advance against those future earnings that will come from Apple or Spotify or others. So the money is then made available in the wallet on a daily payment cycle. So artists have access to money on a daily basis. And so in other words, instead of waiting, I'm just, you know, I'm always interested in figuring out the industry problem that a new tech solution is solving. Mm -hmm. So if you're an artist and you're on my label, you get paid every four times a year because we pay quarterly. But if you're on a different label, you might get paid twice a year. 
So what you're suggesting is that that can be burdensome. It would be nicer to have money available sooner. My immediate question, though, as a label is because we do physical sales and we do that through a distributor, all of our physical sales are delayed for months and months. So a physical sale is usually calculated on a completely different basis. So are you guys basically only working with digital sales? That's correct. And you can also decide, you know, you don't have to pay 100% of the receivable that's going to be owed, but you can pay 50%. You can decide to only pay, you know, certain DSPs. You don't have to say all the aggregate, you know, revenue coming from streaming. We know that Spotify and Apple are not going out of business. Neither is Amazon or YouTube. So there's very little risk in, in actually factoring these receivables and getting money into the hands of artists on a faster cycle will help them as well, you know, reinvest in their career, market themselves if they're not connected to a label or even, you know, pay for touring, pay for videos, depending on the kind of contractual relationship they have with labels. So in my mind, this is probably best designed and best suited for independent artists that are not on a label because the thing about working with a label is that no matter what label it is, we're going to assume that the label has done some investment, which usually means that there's money recoupable, there's money owing. So any money that you make from digital streaming services in one day doesn't necessarily immediately with a label go directly to the artist. Instead, it goes to recoup the advance or the money that has been spent so far. So obviously a band that doesn't have a label is not going to have that issue. I agree. And we're thinking a lot about how to speed up the processing of data so that there's really an end-to-end, what we call straight-through processing. You know, obviously, it's a lot easier to do that when you're connecting to APIs or FTP accounts, you're, you know, aggregating all the data, consolidating it, normalizing it, moving it through that value chain and making it available. With expenses, you know, there's no real automation there for us to optimize. Labels will enter expenses on an ad hoc basis, and they will consolidate all those expenses on an accounting period because it doesn't happen on a daily cycle, obviously. So I agree with you that unrecouped balances are not the easiest things for anyone to manage on on a daily cycle. But more and more, I believe that faster access to data and to payments is a competitive advantage. And that also acts as a retention tool for labels to want to keep artists the ability to give money up front, whether it's an advance or perhaps it's a payment that happens in between royalty statements as well. The ability to provide more cash flow, you know, will enable them to actually do more for their careers. Nowadays, you know, not all labels invest in the artists in the way they used to in the past because there's less predictability on cash flow and being able to get advances for physical one. I'm happy to hear you still deal with physical. A lot of labels have gone digital only. So at that point, I would think that that argument is less the case for them. They can actually still be more transparent and be more helpful to to an artist's career by providing access to both the data and the money upfront.
find your glowing mouth I can see the wind's house On the eastern side I hope that you That was Glowing Mouth by Milagres. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Bruno Gez of Revelator. So what kind of a response are you having? I saw on your website that you recently partnered with CD Baby for some of your technology, and that seems like a really great match. Absolutely. And what we've become really good over the last five years is scaling artist distribution platforms. A lot of our customers are distributors. We provide the whole business workflow from digital assets and catalog and metadata management to rights management to the data management and the reporting side down to the contracts that kind of feed into the royalty accounting solutions. And then obviously managing both the pays and the payment cycles. So when you provide that whole stack as a software, as a service, you can enable the distributor to really focus on the user acquisition. In the case of CD Baby and SoundDrop and other distributors, they're really providing a web-based service to acquire artists to enable them to upload their music to the digital marketplace and then be able to receive 
both data and payment faster, more transparently. They can manage splits. They can manage covered song licensing. We've created a lot of personalized and customized functionality for the different distributors we work with to really help their business grow faster. And we've seen that in the case of CD Baby, that's been pretty amazing. So they've been a great partner and a great customer for us over the last three, four years. We're really happy about working with them. I think we've made Revelator probably the best in class artist distribution platform that's out there right now. And working with a great partners really made it easy for us. So have you guys started working with some artists directly on the artist wallet or did they go through somebody else to access that? So we have started working on the pilot with artists, but what was more interesting to us was to focus around the publishing side of the business. Mm. And we actually partnered with the rights organization in Finland, Tiosto. And what we did is instead of focusing only on the streaming data, we focused on performance royalties coming from radio stations. So we're able to ingest radio performance data and actually get information every two hours by connecting to an API from our partner that's providing us with the radio data. In the case of Tiosa, we tracked three songs that are connected to 23 different rights holders. So we created 23 wallets. And by ingesting the data and connecting to their API and seeing when those songs are actually being played in Finland, we're able to enable Tioso to make the payment to those wallets by paying the contract. So each song in this case is a contract, and the contract is connected to rights holders, which are wallets. So when Tioso needs to pay for writers and publishers connected to a contract, it's doing so in context to receiving data that each song's played on the radio. There's a fixed tariff for how much a song earns being played on the radio in Finland, and they can actually execute the payment directly to the contract, which then distributes the money to the rights holders automatically. So we've been working on that for um, a month and a half now, and we're just about to complete that pilot with them. And I think this is an amazing opportunity for us to show how you can actually get paid on every two hours based on when your songs get played on the radio. So the publishing side of the business is really interesting because you know, we're dealing with societies and societies have members. Those members are either writers or publishers. We've had more interest from other societies wanting to see a similar use case being done with them. So we'll use this precedent, if you wish, of having really broken down some walls in terms of the speed of payment when it comes to performance royalties and try to work with other rights organizations to do a similar thing. Wow, that's really interesting. And there's a lot more to come, obviously, on this. So I'm excited to keep talking to you about this over time. Bruno Gez, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What? I'm so happy I was able to join you, and thanks for taking uh, the interest in this.
That was Drop the Phone by Shy Child. You're listening to The Future of What? After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. KRS loves Merch Table. See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Daniel Dewar of Paper Chain. Daniel, welcome to The Future of What? Thanks, Portia. It's great to be speaking with you. So let's get started by having you explain what Paper Chain does. Paper Chain, we work with labels to essentially do two things. One is to price their daily stream data so we can see how much revenue they're making. And two, now that we have the ability to recognize that revenue, we can then advance any portion of that on demand. So it's simply a way for us to move money faster from the platforms, from the DSPs down to labels and down to artists as well. You've been in the music industry for quite a while. You've done various things. You've been an engineer. You've been a sound designer. Most tech solutions come about because somebody notices a problem in the industry. What is the problem that you feel like you're trying to solve with this? Well, we're trying to address just the challenges around getting liquidity back to artists or labels, artists and creators ultimately, and the challenges around how they can access capital and be able to reinvest back into creating content. I think for not only just me, but my other founders as well, the biggest thing we fear is a future where music is only created by the wealthy or the people who have access to means. So the why for us is about how do we create solutions that can enable greater participation in the creative process. So are you targeting mainly independent artists then, artists that do not have a record label, or are you also looking at artists on labels? We have to start with artists on labels. Ultimately, like labels are our customer, and simply because for now, they're the ones who have the contractual data access to the DSP data, to the streaming and the trends data that gets delivered every day. Got it. So while labels are our customers, the beneficiaries we see are the artists. Got it. Where are you guys at in the process? So we have about half a dozen labels that we're working with at the moment, and we've been using that to build out our data connections through Spotify, Apple, Merlin, and things like that, as well as some of the distributors, and also start to train our pricing model. And then we also recently just executed a pilot transaction. So with one of our pilot labels, we advanced $60,000 of their Spotify revenue to them around 45 days ahead of their typical pay cycle. Oh, wow. You know, speaking as someone who ran a label for the last 13 years, that's extremely helpful because labels in particular often get into cash flow difficulties because of the fact that we only get paid once a month as a rule. Yes. And, you know, some people get paid on different schedules, but that's pretty much how we get paid. And, you know, it's hard to think that you can get in trouble in 30 days, but you sure can. Depends on how many records you're putting out. There's always something to put money on, especially in the production process. And there's a new, you know, you need to do a new print set or there's a tour going on. Particularly as you're an artist and a label working with a breaking artist, there's always opportunity, but sometimes the cash just isn't there. So if we can create a system that allows for more frequent payments or to advance that money faster down the supply chain, we can open up those opportunities where they can take advantage, particularly as they are breaking. Right. So I've heard a bunch of talk recently about this concept of an artist wallet. Are you guys using that terminology as well? I think it'll get there. The challenge is around, one is around behavior, but then the other is also around awareness or ability to use that. And so 
it's typically come up a lot like the artist wallet it comes up when they're talking about more direct to artists platforms that are you know where you can tip or you can make micro payments and the, and the artists are directly connected to the platform and can receive payments directly and that sometimes requires different types of technologies and a lot of people talk about blockchain technology being able to enable that but i think there are barriers to adoption and usability in terms of people being able to interact with that technology so it's not something that we're actively exploring we do see that as a future state for now in terms of simply just getting people to be able to leverage this, we believe there is a level of abstraction while people are getting comfortable with the software and the technology. So the whole idea of you guys being able to give advances on digital income is this notion that digital income is going to sort of remain constant. You know, what have you guys seen in the marketplace that bears that out? So the distinction we're making is that we're not speculating on how much revenue a label is going to generate. We're simply looking at what is generated within a certain time period. So we can see from the trends data how many streams were generated and then make an assessment of what that revenue value is worth. And so we know last week, for example, how many streams a label would have generated and how much revenue that will potentially translate into. And then we can look at the delta between this time period and when that expected payment is to happen and then advance that value of money. So we're not speculating on unearned revenue. It's earned revenue, just unpaid. So is the notion that you'd be giving these advances to labels just once in a while or that you would become basically like their new distributor? Well, we won't get into distribution, but on the financing side, what we call is like finance as a service or FAST. So the ability to for a label or even within a distribution model to spin up a financial infrastructure that can enable greater liquidity at the label level that can better service their artists. In terms of how that fits into a business as usual or ongoing cycle, where we're interested in exploring is newer financial technologies that can enable a lower cost of capital. Because then when you get into, say, a lower price point or a lower cost of capital, then it can become something like a revolver where it's no longer a decision about whether you're advancing this month's Spotify revenue or next month's Spotify revenue you're advancing all of your money, you're just getting paid Spotify weekly or daily or however you want to break that down. And perhaps you're paying 5% a year to do that. But that's just the cost of doing business. It's no different to having an FPOS terminal in your cafe, for example. That's where we see this as heading is that if you can create that system, then you can free up liquidity where money flows much faster at a much lower cost.
That was Coming Up From Behind by Two-Ton Boa. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. Also, check out our short podcast series about Bratmobile's Potty Mouth. It's called Girl Germs, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Daniel Dewar of Paper Chain. So the traditional system that most labels operate under these days is a distribution model where we have a distributor. Yes. And that distributor collects the money for physical sales and also digital sales in most cases, and then pays us out once a month. So this would be an alternative to having the distributor do the digital distribution. Is that sort of how you envision it? Where we would fit into that, except on the financial component, the distribution will continue with the distributor. So the delivery of content will happen. The reporting can still happen through the distribution. We would just connect at a financial level and work with that flow of money back from distribution down to label and artist. Okay. And so how have distributors reacted to this idea? There's a lot of interest because they see alternative finance as the next service that they can provide to their suppliers. Next to marketing and promotions and advertising, finance is an area where they're looking to obviously add a lot of value to how they service their customers. In some cases, they're already providing advances to a very small percentage of the labels that they are working with. And so where we fit into that is the ability for them to provide financing for all of their customers without distributors having to take on the liability of securing that capital themselves and bearing the cost of that capital. Oh, that's really interesting. I think that's the part that I wasn't understanding before is how the distributor fits into it. But that's interesting if you look at it as a service for the labels. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of conjecture about what the future of music looks like and where labels and distributors fit into that. We believe there will always be a role, particularly as labels start to rebrand as label services and the traditional deals start to change. But there will always be a service that is being offered. And so this is just complementary to that. And like I said, if we think of it as a service or finance as a service, it's just a financial vehicle that can plug into a distribution setup and enable distributors to better service labels that they deal with. That's really interesting because then, of course, it assumes, I mean, you guys are doing some really interesting thinking about what the future of the music business is going to look like. But then it also sort of implies that label relations with artists is going to change in a specific way financially, too, because we'd have to have a different way of dealing with artists if we were paying them out on a much more frequent basis than we currently are. Like, currently, I think artists tend to get paid either biannually or quarterly by labels. But you're talking about we could change that significantly. Yeah, so the way we think about that is if we're operating as a third-party vehicle for the finance to flow directly to an artist on behalf of a label, the potential is there is that that money that can come back from a specific stream for a artist or from their catalog, that can go to the artist without having to disrupt that back office cycle or that you know that half-yearly accounting cycle that label's already doing. They continue to maintain that and the money can be pushed on a monthly or a weekly basis to the artist, but that doesn't mean that their accounting cycle has to change. I mean, we're still working through that with some of the labels we're working with in terms of what that actually means for accounting because we know that that becomes a liability if it means they're going to have to increase their accounting cycles. And we know labels have shifted from half-yearly to quarterly and monthly And it becomes cost prohibitive to account on those cycles. So we're working on a way where we can plug in that doesn't disrupt that. And every six months when they do their usual royalty accounting cycle, there's a jump off number that aligns back to what we've been advancing to the artists. And obviously that matches to their recruitment positions, but everything can still operate as far as a label concerned. uh, The reconciliation can still happen every six months. Wow. Okay. Well, my mind is now thoroughly blown. So thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a long pathway to get there. It's a lot of it's a lot of thinking. I know you've spoken to one of my founders, Dave Tomaselli, before. Yeah, he ran his own label in the nineties and built his own back end software for royalty reporting and eventually productized that and started selling that to other labels. I first met him in 2012 when he was leaving that business and we were talking at the time about how you could use sales data or trends data or streaming data to create like a micro factoring business. And, you know, there were some gaps around the data and, you know, on the financial side as well, some gaps in knowledge there. So we sort of left it. And then when he and I reconnected in 2016 or early 2017, started looking at the problem again, because now you had this proliferation of APIs from all the DSPs. So the access to data wasn't a challenge. And now you had these new financial infrastructure and this idea of blockchain technology and smart contracts where you could turn that data into financial instruments. So the technology kind of caught up to the ideas. So especially for Dave, this is something that's 25 years in the making, I think. Wow. Very cool. So you guys are a Techstars company. What does that mean? And how did that come about? Sit next to Y Combinator, Techstars are the largest accelerator network in the world. And they run various accelerators in in a number of cities and a number of themes as well. So they do run an accelerator for the music industry, Techstars Music, run by Bob Mosledowski out of LA. We weren't in that cohort, we were in the Techstars blockchain accelerator, which ran out of New York earlier this year. And honestly, it was a long process to get there. PaveChain has been through a number of iterations and looking at various problems around data and royalties in the music industry, first on the publishing side and realizing how much of a mess that can be and then shifting over to the master side because it's a little cleaner and the access to data is a little easier. But during that process, applied through the Techstars music program, I think twice and didn't make it 
And then as we started to refine our ideas, then also started to pick up more traction. And I think we became a much more interesting prospect for an accelerator like Techstars. And then so last year, I applied for the the blockchain accelerator because we were exploring the use of decentralized finance uh, as our capital pool and just seemed to get along well with the program managers and went through that program earlier this year. And to be honest, it was personally, then also from a business side, it changed everything about paper chain. I think it changed our focus. It changed the way we were approaching things and our thinking. And we achieved more in three months, I think, than we did in two years. Wow. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about this product at the moment? I mean, when is it going to roll out in sort of a, a big way? So, I mean, for now, any labels that are direct with Spotify, Apple, and through Merlin, we can start onboarding now. We have those data feeds so people can sign up and they can start using the platform. And then we're starting to connect to other distributors as well, such as Fugo and the, and the Orchard and understanding where we fit into that model. But if, if they are direct, can start the onboarding process now. It starts out with the pure analytics piece, so giving visibility on the revenue and starting to see how much revenue you're generating from your streams every day. And then once we get an idea of what that looks like and become comfortable with our predictions, then we can start looking at what that advancing process looks like. So, for example, with Spotify, the difference between like our daily predictions on how much a label generates based on their streams and what the actuals are, the difference is less than 1%. So we're pretty confident once we get a set of data from how much activity a label is generated across Spotify, we're very confident in how we can predict how much that's going to be, which is what happened with our pilot recently where it got to the end of August. And we'll actually find out in two days actually uh, how accurate we were with what we projected for August based on their stream data and what the actuals will be. But we expect it to be within 1% of our estimate. Amazing. Well, Daniel Dewar, the founder of paperchain.io, thanks so much for being with me today on The Future of What? Thanks, Portia. I appreciate it. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Milagres, Shy Child, Tutan Boa, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at thefutureofwatchshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next week.